Hello and welcome to Inside Intercom. I'm Liam Garrity. Today we have a great episode for you. Our guest is Sarah Dion, staff software engineer at Algolia, a site search and discovery platform powered by AI. Sarah builds open source front end libraries at Algolia and also advocates online and at conferences around the world for test driven development, a process where you write tests before you write with the associated code and utility first CSS. Intercom principal engineer Brian Scanlon sat down to chat with Sarah about her role, how to lead a team and the future of search. Sarah shares great insights and thoughts on everything from why mentorship within engineering is one of her favorite parts of the job to why it's important to figure out how your company works and where you fit into that. It's a fantastic conversation. So let's head over to studio to Brian Scanlon and Sarah Dion. Thanks so much, Sarah, for joining us on the show today. I'm delighted to be able to get the opportunity to talk with you. Before we talk about your role and work at Algolia, I'd love to hear about your journey up until this point. So, you know, how did your journey to where you are today all start? Well, hello. Thank you for having me. So that's actually a funny story. When I was 15, I'm, I'm currently 32, and when I was 15, this is when we got the internet at home. We had that before, but this was the first time it was like broadband internet and unlimited internet. And I was always into building things. And the first time I saw a website, I was like, there's no way, like, I, I have to know how to do that. And one thing led to another, and I built my first forum with PHPBB. Like PHP was really, really big back then. Still big, but it was really the language for the web back then. And, you know, time went by. And back then, having a career in tech, especially as a software engineer, was not as cool and hot as it, it is today. And so my parents thought, mm, you know, maybe you want to look into something like, you know, maybe become a journalist because I, I, I was good at languages and literature at school. And so that's the first thing I did. I actually did a, a first year in journalism. I failed it completely. And then I decided, okay, this is obviously not my thing. Maybe I should be doing what I love. And so I started, you know, going back to what I loved, building websites. And so got my first job at an agency. I spent actually six years there. Taught me a lot about the job, about working with customers, working with, with clients, with people who know what they want and people who don't know what they want. And then I moved on to the startup world. So I've been to a couple startups before Algolia. But yeah, I've been coding for over 15 years, if my math is right, which is like, giving me a lot of perspective as I'm saying it. But yeah, professionally in the industry, I've been there for 12 years. And this is what led me to, to my current role at Algoya. I've been there for four years and counting. Are there any like, interesting lessons that you learned early on that have stuck with you? Early in my career? Hmm, that's a good question. So the thing is that I don't have a classic journey path to tech. I didn't go to engineering school. And the thing is that it is possible. It is possible to have a career, a great career in tech. If you don't do that, you can definitely be self-taught. You can learn from other people. 
you don't have to have a degree. It's, it's okay. But the thing is that it is not an excuse for not learning. And there is a, a great blog post by Sarah Drasner, who's currently engineering manager at uh, Microsoft or actually Google, if I'm right. And she wrote a really great blog post on CSS tricks about that, on, about the fact that even though you can have a career in tech without a degree, it doesn't exempt you from learning and to seeking knowledge. And one thing that you actually learn in school is learning to learn. And that, that's a really good, interesting, important skill. When I was early in my career, the agency that I told you about, I was, for a long mm. time, I was the sole employee. I was all alone and I had my boss who was also coding, but a little bit removed from the things that I was doing. And although it can be kind of freeing working alone, like you, you have a lot of trust, et cetera, a lot of freedom. But the thing is that you don't learn as fast because you don't have any feedback. You don't have any other perspective aside from your own. And if you don't even do any active learning, then you're going to fall behind. And that's one of the things that happened to me. I didn't get feedback. I didn't get conversations with other people, with other engineers, with other perspective, other backgrounds. And so I fell behind. I was relying a lot on the knowledge that I had. And I had really no reason to do things differently because it worked, you know? So I think that would be one of the biggest lessons that I got early on in my career is that even though you might like working alone and there are ways to do that. You can like, you, you can isolate yourself when you need to, but especially if you don't have a classical journey to tech, surrounding yourself with other people who bring you feedback and other perspectives is invaluable. And it's going to really supercharge your career. I think that's great advice for anyone in pretty much any professional role, but it sounds like it really worked out for you. Do you miss anything about not working with PHP these days? <laughs> well, you know, I think PHP is a great language, actually. It's a, it's a really great language, and you can find a lot of inspiration from PHP in modern JavaScript, actually. And I thought it was really interesting, really great. I no longer work with it because JavaScript has evolved to a point where you can use it kind of wherever you might want to use PHP. And I think, especially as a front-end engineer, like there are a lot of advantages to use the same language on the front-end and the back-end, like code sharing, obviously. But yeah, I think PHP is a great language. It gets a lot of like bad jokes and, you know, the, oh, uh, is PHP dead? Like it's been going forever. But, you know, when you look at the success of something like Laravel, I feel like PHP is far from being dead. It is great. I remember, you know, when I got into PHP, the framework, the, the serious framework that people use was called Zen Framework. And Zen is actually the company, I believe, behind PHP, or at least that took it back. And so, like, this is way done over. Uh, nobody uses Zen Framework anymore, at least not, not for any new projects. But I think this is great to see where PHP is right now. It is still flourishing. P 
people are enjoying coding in PHP. And I think that's great. It's just not for everybody, but you do you. And everybody, like, everybody can have a seat at the table with the language that they like. It's not that important. So moving on a bit, you're currently a staff engineer at Algolia. So tell me a bit about that role and you know, what you work on. And we'll move on to like, what a staff engineer is as well. Of course. So I am a staff engineer. I work on the front end. So uh, the team that I am on at Algolia is called Frontend Experiences, FX for short. So what we do is that we work on front-end libraries for Algolia. Algolia is a search engine, and so it's end-to-end. You have the engine, you have some API clients in multiple languages to send your data to search, but you also have front-end libraries because who has time to build an accessible working search box or a list of hits or refinement list or a hierarchical menu? All those things are difficult to implement properly, so we do that for customers, and that's the team that I'm, I'm working on. So my role, I'm, I'm still an IC, I'm still an individual contributor. I'm not in, a, in any like leadership track. But the thing is that as you grow to higher roles as an IC, like your reality kind of blends a little bit with leadership role. Like I don't have any reports. I don't manage anybody. But still, I spend a lot of time with my manager, with my leadership on topics that are more on the vision aspect of things. But still, I still code every day. I'm still an IC, like everybody. I give reviews, I get reviews. So yeah, still still an IC role. It might be a little bit different in other organizations, but at least at Algolia, that's, uh, that's one thing you can do. Uh, you can stay an IC, you can still grow to a pretty advanced level and still remain uh, an individual contributor and still get to code every day. How much time do you think you spend like shipping versus... Uh, I guess, all of the rest of the job, you know, sharing context, uh, working on strategy, uh, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's difficult to gauge. But I would say just to be on the safe side, I would say 50-50. There are are times where I code a lot. And, you know, I believe reviews are like, I include reviews in coding because this is the same kind of energy uh, that you use. But there's also a lot of, uh, of time strategizing, a lot of meetings, a lot of vision documents, a lot of thinking, a lot of conversation to, to gather feedback, like working with PMs, working with researchers, with designers, all of that is part of the job. And like, that's, that's really one of, the, one of the characteristics of roles that would be like senior and above. So at Algolia, you have senior staff, principal. Etc. And so anything above senior, you start really pouring a lot of energy into the strategy. What will be the vision? Where is the product going to be in five years or even in three years? How are we going to be successful on those things? How can we make sure that if we are not successful, we have a backup plan? So, you know, anything that you could think to apply to a project, like concretely coding, when you're an engineer, a senior engineer, you apply that to the strategy of the product. So you work a lot on the product. And that's, I believe, one of the things that I love the most working at a tech startup. When I used to be in an agency, you don't do any strategy. You don't necessarily say what you think. You're not necessarily expected to give advice unless 
this is the kind of agency that you work at. You do what you're told. And when you are an engineer at a startup, especially at those levels, your voice matters a lot. Your vision, your voice, especially at a tech startup, we are building products for engineers. And even though we have to be very careful not to build things for us because we know already too much. We have the curse of knowledge. We know the product. We know how to use it. We know all the caveats. But still, we are sensitive to what engineers care about, what they want, what will make their life easy or hard. So there's a huge emphasis on product, on bringing ideas to the table, on challenging ideas, on getting your ideas challenged, and on making sure that you build the best thing that will last. Digging into the, the staff role a little more, like how much time do you spend working with other staff and principal engineers like beyond your organization or beyond your team? Like is that a active kind of community in, in your company? Do you get to do a lot of work in collaboration from that? Or like do you largely work kind of independently in your kind of groups? Or are there like a subset of other senior staff engineers that you'd be working with? So I would say not as much as I would want. Um, in any organization, and of course it may depend, it may be someone is listening and you're thinking, well, that's not the way it works at my company. But you like the the higher you go in levels, the 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 lesser people you have. So it's not like there are a ton of IC, uh, IC5, IC6, so staff, principal, we are hiring a lot of very senior people right now. So my answer might be different in six months. But I spent a normal amount of time kind of informally uh, talking with other, other staff or, or, or even principal engineers. But it's not like there is any community or anything official currently. I think just because we are not that many. Now, I spend a lot of time discussing with people like senior and above because that's part of my role. Part of my role is helping people who are at senior level to grow and to get promoted to staff level and making sure that the people who are senior and who reach that level, like it's, it's pretty defined. Being a senior engineer in many companies, especially the size of Algolia, you know what you need to do, you know, like that's, it's more of a checklist than, than, than any higher role. After that, it gets more complicated because uh, there's a lot of things that could be up to interpretation. There are things that you can do very differently from another person based on like your personality. But um, the idea is that when you reach senior level, we expect you to be kind of optimal in your hard skill set. Like we, we know that you're, you're good. You're at a, a technical level. We don't expect you to, to grow much higher than that, but you're going to be asked to develop other kinds of skills. And so helping people move on to this mindset, you know, after you spent many years thinking, oh, how can I become a, a better engineer, write better code? code that will last longer, make better reviews, or uh, have less comments when I get a review, etc. You have to have a mindset shift to start thinking about other things. How can I help other people? How can I uh, make sure to unblock situations? How can I create my own workload? 
you know, things like that. Those are not necessarily things that you have to think about prior to, to reaching those levels. So helping people approach those levels and understand what they mean, understand depending on the person, what part of their personality they're going to be able to use to get there. You know, some people love to be on stage. They love to do talks, for example. And if this is something that they like, by all means, I should help them, you know, land better conference engagements and write better call for papers so that they land that spot. But if this is not your thing, there is no reason why we should invest in that. What we should do is find what you are good at, what you like to do and will help you shine and cultivate that. So there's a lot uh, of mentorship involved. This is one of my favorite parts, actually, of being at this seniority level. And I think this is fantastic to, to do things like that because for a company, it's not really interesting, you know, to have one staff engineer or one senior. You want to have three, five, eight, 16, you know? And the only way you're going to be able to do that is by having the people who are already there help the people who are one level lower. Cannot expect your engineering manager to do that all by themselves with the entire team. So you, you have this multiplier effect when you have engineers who help other engineers do the work that they did a year before or two years before. I think this is really thrilling for people because for the people who get to learn from others, they learn from like people who, who did that, who actually did it, went through the process in the same organization. So like there's confidence that if they follow those steps, if they listen, it might work. And for you as the person teaching, and that's also what I'm, I'm looking for in a principal engineer. Like I want to learn from principal engineers who can help me get there, understand what I need to do to get there. But I think for that person teaching, it is particularly interesting because they get to dissect a little bit more what they actually did. It gets fuzzy afterwards. You know, when you've done it, you're like, yeah, I just did it. I did a little bit of this, a little bit of that. No. What did you do? What are the concrete steps that you took? What are the things you said yes to? What are the things you said no to? And I think it helps you clarify your ideas, clarify your process, and it, it makes you more efficient for the next ones. Just before we continue with today's episode, I wanted to let you know about Offscript. It's a new series of candid conversations with intercom leadership all about the extraordinary AI-driven transformation we're currently experiencing. Episode 1 is on our YouTube channel right now. Here's a teaser of what you can expect. I don't want to come across as overly dramatic, but for every single tech company, this is an adapt-or-die moment. It's inevitable that all businesses are going to go AI first. It's just a matter of time. In this post-AI world, new companies will rise, old companies will fall. Of course, some of these new companies will flame out. Some old companies will pivot successfully too. I don't think any of us could see a world where this wasn't going to be one of the biggest changes in the customer service landscape ever. The world we care about is customer service. And it's so patently obvious that the old way will be quickly obsolete. We're racing hard to build a future which will result in better experiences and results for customers and businesses too. 
it's not just a product change, it's a mindset change. Let's make space to talk about all of this. We have so much we want to share. We want to explore these ideas in the open. We want to provoke new ones in you. We want to learn from your reaction. You just click the kind of like big stupid go button, right, and see what happens. Welcome to Offscript. That's all to come on Offscript. The first episode is out now. You can watch it on Intercom's YouTube channel and we'll bring you audio versions of the episodes right here. Now, back to today's episode. You mentioned an interesting topic there, which is like onboarding new kind of staff and our principal engineers into an organization, which can be pretty tricky. Is this something you've got experience with? Do you know what works and what doesn't work for Algolia in doing this kind of thing? Right. So this is not something that we've done a lot, uh, to be honest. Like we've mostly, we we probably have like three or four principal engineers and most of them aren't, yeah, all of them are not on my team. The experience that I got is mostly with bringing senior engineers. Now, there are things that are common to everybody. And, and then there are things that could be interesting for principal engineers. And I can still try and take a stab at it. I would say clarity is extremely important. And of course, you don't expect the same kind of handholding when you are hiring a staff or a principal engineer. You you want them to be self-starters. Now, I would say you you expect that from mostly anybody, but at a lesser scale. But clarity is extremely important. It's not about telling you exactly what is expected of you, like all the tasks, et cetera, but giving you a sense of your mission. What is your purpose here? What are you doing here? And I would say this starts way before the onboarding process. This starts at the interview level. So my recommendation for, for anybody who's currently a staff engineer or a principal engineer or above joining a company would be to ask about that. Because one thing that can happen sometimes is that people try to hire very senior roles to fix their problems. They're like, oh, let's just hire anybody very, very senior because they know things that we don't, apparently. And that's not true. Like a senior person, a very, very senior person can help you with a lot of things, but they're not going to fix structural issues of the company or a team specifically. So asking those questions, I feel, are extremely important. And on the other side, for any engineering manager who thinks that they might need a a very senior person like that is to wonder why. Why do we think that we need that person? Most of the time, you do not hire someone at this level for like coding greatness. If you have senior people on your team, someone who's like senior engineer, so that would be IC4 at Algolia, they're already very perfectly capable coding-wise. At least they should be if they are at that level. But someone who is currently a staff or principal engineer is coming with experience of something that we want to do. And you might need those people when you know you need to reach a scale that you've never reached before that nobody on the team has reached before and that maybe they could figure out, but you want an accelerator. And this is what a very senior person is going to do on your team. So asking those questions beforehand is 
already going to be a good way to make sure that there are no misalignment on what is expected from that person. You could be very senior. And if you're asked to be coding or working at a senior level, just because there was misalignment, you're going to be disappointed and likely you're going to leave. And you do not want to spend a lot of time hiring a person at this level and have them leave because it is extremely costly. So so yeah, that would be to me the, the, the very first thing that comes before the onboarding. Make sure you're aligned. Make sure this is exactly what you need. Now, after that, I would say that I expect, personally, I would expect someone at this seniority level to do a lot of reading and a lot of conversations. This is typically something that you don't do a lot. Like when you are junior engineer or maybe like IC3, you come to your organization, you're given your first task and then, you know, it flows and you start working, you start coding. This is the important things. And this is what you should be doing because this is what will get you to the next step. When you are at those levels, what is extremely important is that you understand where you are, you understand what's going on, and you understand who does what. You need to create relationships, not only with other engineers, not only with very senior people, but also with more junior people, with product managers, with designers, with researchers. Understand the way the company works and understand what, like how you can fit in that, what you can help improve. Uh, but I would say, yes, that that's the very first important step. If there is any written, you know, internal documentation, read it, make sure you read it. If you, if you're done, read it again, uh, book meetings with people, ask your engineering manager, who are the people that I should meet with first? And then every time you talk to a new person, ask them again to that person, who do you think it should be interesting for me to, to talk to? This is going to really give you wings because you're going to create relationships. You're going to understand what is going on. What are the current products? What are the current struggles? Where you can help and how your team and uh, the products that you're building fitting in that scheme. Because at those levels, with this amount of focus on the product, it is no longer about just the quality of the code. That, like, that's not up to you. Like the, the quality of the code, your senior, like the seniors on the team are already taking care of that and they're doing it perfectly well. Your role is going to make sure that the delivered product is going to fit and is going to scale. And you cannot do that if you do not discuss with other people in the company. So Algolia, for listeners who don't know, it's a powerful hosted search API and looks like a pretty successful company from the outside, but I'm sure there's a lot of challenges and some things on your mind. Could you give us an idea of like what are some of the big problems that you are kind of thinking about or worrying about or working on at the moment? So I could tell you about a few uh, a few challenges about Algolia, but also about the team that I'm working on. So as you said, Algolia is initially a hosted search API. So that's that's the biggest API that we have. That's the, the most successful for now. But we've also expanded a little bit. So currently there is a product called Algolia Recommend. And Algolia Recommend is going to use the same data set that you use for search, but based on a given product, it's going to give you recommendations. So for example, it could give you, oh, based on this product, here are some related items. 
or here are products that are frequently bought together, right? So, you know, this kind of Amazon oriented product page, this is something that you can build with Algolia recommend. So like really the point of Algolia is to not only search, but is really to surface content. You have a lot of content, but not all of the content is relevant at the same time for the same people. The idea is no matter what, what is the, like the path that you take to getting that data, searching for it or landing on the page, you get surfaced with the right data. This is the point of Algolia. So there are challenges with that. We like, we are very expert at search, but all the, like all the recommendation and all the, you know, uh, machine learning aspect to it is like, first it's a, it's much, much newer, like it's much newer technology. So we're learning with the latest uh, latest things that are happening on that on that topic. So there's a lot for us to learn compared to uh, to to search where like uh, our founders were really already expert in search. So this is is a is a challenge. It's not the biggest challenge, but this is still a challenge to make sure you know that we are able to reiterate that same success that we had with search. Now there are things that Algolia is not great at. It's a search engine. It's not a database. So you have like, it's going to be fast. It's going to be eventually consistent, but you do not have a guarantee that you will have all of your data or that your data is always consistent or that maybe all your data is going to be there. That's, that's a choice and that's a, like a design choice around the search engine, but that makes it very different from a database. Now, that being said, a lot of people like to use Algolia as a database because, you know, it's very easy to send data to Algolia and it's there and it's fast. You know, it was designed to be a search engine. So people like to use it as a database. And we've said it for many years, like Algolia is not a database. Don't use it as a database, but people want to do it. So, you know, maybe there's something to learn around that. Maybe it could be. And I'm not saying that it's going to be. But maybe it could be. Maybe there is something else out there that we have to understand and research. Maybe it could be a database and a search engine. There are many cases that Algolia cannot work with. Like there's one topic that we often talk about as one of the unsupported use cases, which is the the, the booking use case. You want to book an Airbnb, so you're searching for it, you know. And as soon as you search for it, so it's in your results, meaning that it's available. But as soon as you reach the page, it's no longer available. And the thing is that because with Algolia, you replicate your data from your database to Algolia, you actually, when let's say you save something uh, in your database, you're going to send that, that change to Algolia in a slightly different format. And because there is that delay, like this is not real time there. It's, it's not like your database and Algolia are perfectly in sync all the time at like the microsecond, then something like the, the, the booking use case cannot work because when you're dealing with Airbnbs, something that is available right now might not be available in 30 seconds, but it still might show up in your search engine because at the moment when you saved, then you need maybe a, a couple, 10 seconds, something like that 
for it to be propagated to Algolia. And maybe it failed and you need to do it over again, right? So those are things that at the search engine level that we are thinking about and seeing, okay, is it something that we could ever support? Is it something that is, you know, out of the question? What is the, the business case behind that? Because it drives a lot of things. So that would be like, you know, very search and like low level problems that we have. Now, regarding uh, the front end team, I would say our next big challenge. So, you know, I mentioned Algolia Recommend. It used to be only Algolia Search. Now it's Algolia Recommend and there will be new products in the future. Stay tuned for that. And the thing is that when you're a customer, you don't really care that there are different products. Like you don't care that you have Algolia search with those sub features and Algolia recommend with those sub features. You subscribe to Algolia and you're paying your monthly or yearly fee for a set of things, of features that you're told work well together. You do not want and you do not need to understand where are the boundaries, you know, the artificial boundaries that we created internally that are the boundaries between this API and that API. So, you know, there's this saying, like, don't ship your org chart. And I think this is one of the next big topics for us. How to make sure that on the front end, when you're using uh, the Algolia front end libraries, First, that it's not libraries, it's library. Like you're using one thing. You don't have to wonder whether you need this or that. And that you do not feel those boundaries. It should be invisible. It should be seamless. What you're paying for is not the problem of the engineers. And that's a fully separate thing. And it might change tomorrow. The fact that those are separate APIs, not your problem. That's our problem to solve. So... We created libraries that were really strongly coupled to the search API. And now we have to expand to newer APIs that can work together. And sometimes you need to do a call to one, then a call to another to get the final response. All those things right now are not as seamless as we would like it to be. It's a little bit still rough uh, on the edges when you want to connect those APIs together. It's possible. But you have to read tutorials, you have to follow through and do a little change here and there. You have to write some boilerplate code. This is not delightful. This is not fun. And this is too much work, I believe. If we are to tell you, use that library, then it needs to, to do a job that you really don't want to do. Like there is no justification to use a library if the lower level primitives are as easy to use, right? So right now, I believe that's, that, that's one of the biggest challenges is make sure to raise again the value uh, of the libraries. They're already doing a lot that most people, I guarantee you, don't want to do. But I believe that there are a certain, at a certain point, for certain customers, it is not as seamless and great and delightful as it used to be when you own, when we only had Algolia Search. And this is, I think, the, the feeling that we're after, you know, that feeling of, wow, it was so much simpler than I even thought it would be. Lastly, where can our listeners go to keep up with you? So you can mostly find me on Twitter. I'm frontstuff underscore IO. And 
fully, painfully aware that this is the worst handle on, on Twitter. You can find me on sarahdayan.com, S-A-R-A-H-D-A-Y-A-N.com. You will find on all the links. But yeah, mostly on Twitter. You can follow me on GitHub if you want. I commit things sometimes. Uh, but yeah, if you wanna if you wanna chat, I believe my DMs are open. So yeah, send me anything. Super, uh, Sarah. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. That was fun. I hope you enjoyed Brian Scanlon's conversation with Sarah Dion. You know, we have a huge podcast archive with literally hundreds of insightful conversations on everything from getting customers to come back again and again to building a scalable sales team from the ground up to how we build product here at Intercom. There's so much. So if you're looking for more, just take a dip into our back catalogue wherever you're listening to me now or on intercom.com forward slash blog forward slash podcasts. Okay, that's it for today. I'll be back with you next week for more Inside Intercom. This is Inside Intercom.